My name is Andrea Bumstead and I am a member at Restore Temecula. If you are new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help in any way, please visit our website at www.RestoreTemecula.com and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android App Store. With all of that said, we hope you enjoy the message. I feel especially grateful this morning to be with you all, to see your faces, and to be present with you. Man, like, relationships really are the most priceless, precious thing in life. And so, man, I just feel so, so thankful to see you and be with you. And yeah, I'm excited for this morning. So what I want to do is I just want to kind of bring you up to speed. We're in this series we've entitled Be Ready. And the subheading is The Harvest is Plentiful. And kind of the whole basis behind this series is taking a moment to pause and acknowledge the last 18 months has been insane. Um, it's been traumatic for every single man, woman, and child on the face of the planet. Um, there really has been an experience of suffering that's been very personal for every person. And there's nothing like suffering to kind of plow up or till the soil of the human heart. And we've been talking about this idea of how we really feel like God's leading us in this season um, to be ready for two specific things. To be ready for the, we talked about the Joseph of Arimathea opportunities to care for the body of Christ in its time of need and its brokenness. Not to prepare the body for demise, but to prepare the body for resurrection life. It's this idea of, of um, renewal. It's this idea of spiritual awakening and, and revival inside the church. And it's gonna happen through the ways that we love each other, okay? <clears throat> Joseph of Arimathea was the man who took Jesus' lifeless body off the cross and prepared it not just for burial, but for resurrection life. And we kind of used that story as a way, we thought God was speaking to us in that story to be, to be ready, to be ready to love each other in radical Jesus-like ways when the opportunities come because we've all suffered in really real, really real ways. And the second thing is just opportunities to love and minister those outside of the body of Christ. Opportunities within, opportunities without. And we asked ourselves this question. We feel like this is not just like a convenient thing, but rather a God thing of him, him, him pointing us towards this and preparing us as a, as a community to be ready within and ready outside of the body of Christ. And our question is, are we going to be ready with the gospel when the opportunities arise? The good news of Jesus, the only thing that has the power to transform and heal the human heart and the human condition. And here's the thing, I wanna put this in front of you again. If we are, friends, if we are ready, I believe that we're gonna experience two things. I believe that we're gonna experience healing inside the church, individually, corporately, it's this idea of revival, and we're gonna experience harvest in the field. People who, 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 who have not yet experienced the love of Jesus actually encountering him, how? Through his hands and through his feet, through his people loving and caring and serving with intentionality. 
all right? So I don't want to spend too much time here because I have a long message prepared for you this morning. But if you've missed any of these messages, please go back and listen to them. This is a really important kind of season for us as a church. Because again, we want to be a prophetic people. We want to be people who are discerning the voice of the Lord for us and saying yes to what he's inviting us into. So go back and listen to that. That that being said, let's get started. Have you ever been sabotaged before? Thank you for giggling, Jules. It helps me. No, but for real, have you ever been sabotaged before? Like full on sabotaged. Um, I recently bought a brand new phone charger. And the reason I bought a brand new phone charger was because my old phone charger totally sabotaged me. I don't sleep with my cell phone next to me. I try to be as far away from it at times as humanly possible. Um, conveniently, genuinely, I actually forgot it this morning. And it, my first reaction was, oh my God, I don't have my phone. And I was like, oh my God, I don't have my phone. <laughs> so I, I don't sleep with my cell phone next to me anymore. I put it in the kitchen on a charger. And so as it is for me, like I'll wake up in the morning, I'll get ready, I'll you know, get ready to get out of the house. And, and I'm, I'm on my way out of the house and I just grab my phone and go. And sure enough, because my phone charger sabotaged me, I get like 25, 30 minutes into my day and my phone's at like 8%. And I'm like, oh, and then inevitably it dies in like 10 minutes, right? And the bummer was like, I really had some important things to do that morning. I had important phone calls to make that morning. I had important work to be done and I couldn't do it because As you know, a a cell phone with a dead battery is practically useless. My cell phone charger sabotaged me, so I got a new one. Friends, did you know that you and I are a whole lot like our cell phones? We're capable of doing all sorts of wonderful and important things, but we can't do anything if our battery's dead. And I don't know if you know this, but like our cell phones, we were created with a battery that only lasts so long. It's only got so much life in it before it needs to be recharged. And frankly, it needs to be recharged regularly. Your spiritual battery needs a regular recharge. The Bible refers to the human recharge as Sabbath. It's a holy day where the depleted human soul is recharged. Uh, I experienced a dead cell phone battery. It totally sabotaged my work day, right? But a a human battery is much more priceless than a cell phone battery. A dead human battery can sabotage any chance that you and I have of being ready, of being ready for what God has for each of us. As an individual, you and us collectively as the body of Christ. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. This idea of the, 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 the recharge for the human soul that is the Sabbath. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 2. You can go ahead and flip there. I'm going to take another swig of water, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll jump in. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, will you help me this morning? We help me to communicate effectively and well. I don't want to say anything that gets in the way of what you want to say. Um, And Lord, would you bless us? Would you teach us? Holy Spirit, I feel like you're always, I love that song that we sung this morning. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Like you're always inviting us into a greater knowledge of you. Knowing you deeper, experiencing you. 
in more profound ways. So would you help us to do that? Would you teach us about Sabbath this morning, Holy Spirit? Not as a religious activity or even a duty, but as something transcendent from you for us. We love you, Jesus. Bless us this morning. Amen. Okay, so Genesis chapter two, I'm gonna start here in verse one, but before I do, just to kind of bring up to speed, Genesis chapter one, I'm gonna summarize it in like a sentence, right? God spends six days doing something. What is it? Creating, yes, working, creating. He spends six days creating, and then we pick up here in chapter two. Starting in verse one, it says this. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he, what does it say? Rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Okay, so God, just think about this for a second, okay? We could... Just so you know, we could spend like a 10-week series on Sabbath. I'm going to try to condense a lot of things this morning. He rested on the seventh day. I want you to keep something in mind, okay? This happens before sin enters creation. This happens before Adam and Eve rebel against God and choose their way over his, right? This happens before sin enters the equation. This pattern, this rhythm, if you will, this pattern or rhythm of work and then rest on the seventh day is something that God models from the very beginning. And it's something, friends, that God, he actually built it into the fabric of creation. Do you know what that means? That means he built it into you. This rhythm of work, hard, good, it's good to work hard, and then rest on the seventh day. All right, I wanna talk about the Sabbath for a little bit. Many of you probably know a lot about this and you're like, God, this is gonna be boring. It won't be, trust me. Flip over to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, I wanna read you verses eight through 11. All right, this is God speaking to Moses and then later through Moses. It says this in verse eight, Exodus chapter 20. Remember, everybody say remember, remember. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Keep that in your back pocket. To the Lord, your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates... For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. All right, really quickly. That, the Hebrew word there for, for Sabbath is, it has the same root word that we read that God rested in Genesis 2. This, this word Sabbath, right? It's a Hebrew word that means to cease or to stop. So you could almost like vision yourself pulling up to an intersection and there's a Sabbath sign, okay? To cease or to stop. Now, here's what I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think of Sabbath as a day off. Our, our Western culture views a day off as a, in a specific way. That's not what we're getting at here, okay? The Sabbath is so much more than a day off from work because treating the Sabbath simply as like a day off 
It's what uh, Eugene Peterson, he calls it, a, he calls it a, a bastard Sabbath. When you treat the Sabbath as though it's just simply a day off, it's a bastard Sabbath. His words, not mine. All right, what I wanna do is I wanna just really quickly, like as fast as I can, point out four things that this passage tells us about the Sabbath. The first one is this. Sabbath is a blessing. Sabbath is a blessing, okay? This language of bless, when it says that God blessed the Sabbath, that's like giving language. It's generous language, okay? When something is blessed by God, it becomes a vehicle. Hear me. It becomes a vehicle of his generous provision and care and grace and mercy. He's delivering something to you. It's a gift, okay? In short, hear me. Sabbath is a gift from God for you. It's a present underneath the Christmas tree with your name on it specifically, okay? The next thing, it says that it's holy. Sabbath is a holy day. The word holy, what it really just means simply is set apart. It's something set apart. It's holy. When we say God is holy, it's like he's on another level than you and I. He's holy, holy, holy. The angels have been singing that for eternity, right? This idea of being set apart. Uh, one Bible commentator says this, quote, when God declares something holy, he claims it for himself. Get the picture. He claims it for himself, taking it out of ordinary circulation, whether it's a place, a day, or an animal sacrifice, and declaring it special. So hear me, not only is Sabbath a blessing, right? A gift for you, but it's holy. It's set apart time for God. That means, my next point, Sabbath is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. It's an offering of worship to God, yes. Sabbath to the Lord, right? Now, we talk about this often, but it bears repeating. Worship is this idea of ascribing ultimate worth, right? And when I say that, you already know that throughout your day, you're ascribing ultimate worth to different various things depending on how you feel all throughout the day. We're always worshiping. It's something we can't turn off. We're always ascribing ultimate worth to something, someone. You get the picture, right? To worship is to ascribe ultimate worth. Listen, in regards to Sabbath, what does it mean again? It means to cease or to stop. That can be really hard. Even for people like me that go, I just, I fantasize about the day, like the vacation, the day off where I just get to stop, you know? And you're, I know you're, many of you are the same way, but actually stopping, it's hard, dude. It can be really hard. Why? Because we ascribe more worth, worship, to our productivity than we should all the time. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, he's this like Christian guru on all things emotional health. He's, he's a gift to the church. He says this quote, listen to this guys. On the Sabbath, we embrace our limits. Pause for a second. I'll read the rest of this in just a second. How much of us love to embrace our limits? No, man, I want you to tell me how awesome I am. I want to like show you my resume of like how hard I work and how like I, I validate myself. Like no, our culture celebrates that, not our limits. Listen to this. Our, on Sabbath, we embrace our limits, radically countercultural, we would all agree. We let go of the illusion that we are indispensable to the running of the world. We recognize we will never finish all of our goals and projects, 
And listen to this, and that God is on the throne managing quite well and ruling the universe without our help. That might poke at you a little bit, but hear me, like, God doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to lead the church. He doesn't even need me to lead my family. He blesses me. He includes me. He invites me into these incredible opportunities to experience him and his goodness and more of his kingdom. Friends, the Sabbath is a liberating act of worship to God. I'm ascribing more worth to him and his rule than me and mine. You get in the picture? Along those same lines, the fourth thing here that I want to draw your attention to from this passage is Sabbath also is an offering of time to God. It's literally a time offering. Okay, look back at verse 10. It says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. I had you put this in your back pocket to the Lord. It's something done to him. So it's an offering of time. Listen, just as God's people tithe, right? They also Sabbath. Tithe, if you're not familiar, it's, it's a 10th offering. It's, it's offering 10% of the money that God provides to you back to him as an act of worship, right? As an offering. The Sabbath, in the same way that tithe is an offering of money, the Sabbath is an offering of time. You see in this, given back to him one day out of, out of every seven, right? 24 hours out of every 168 hours. It's an offering of time. Another quote from you from a person way smarter than me says this, freed, freed from time consuming everyday work, man should accept the seventh day as a blessing from his creator, using it to recall all God's goodness in creation and to praise him for it and recognize the claim it makes on his life. As a day set aside, the Sabbath is a reminder that all time is the creator's gift. Listen to this a fact man acknowledges when he consciously gives back to God part of what is his anyway. The Sabbath is an offering of time to God to do, hear me, to do exclusively what God modeled, not just told, but modeled in Genesis, right? We just went over it. What did he do? He created, right? He worked for six days and then he rested so he gave himself over to something else entirely. Do you remember what it was? Um, it says at the end of Genesis chapter one, it says this, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Saw the very good. The Sabbath, friends, that God models and then calls us into as his people is this. Sabbath is a day, write this one down. Sabbath is a day of reflecting on and enjoying the goodness of God, period. Sabbath is an entire day of reflecting on and enjoying the goodness of God. All that he is, all that he's done, all that he's provided, all the goodness um, I know I've been reading a lot of quotes to you, but I want to actually put one on a slide. If you would throw that one up there for me, Dave. This is a quote by this guy, Dan Allender. He wrote a book on Sabbath and it says this. This is big. Do we have any kids in the room? Just, yeah, we're good. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. I love that. Does anybody want to enter delight? I do. Does anyone want to join me? Yes, great. 
The Sabbath, is a, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. He's talking in the context of observing the Sabbath on a Saturday, right? So we look ahead to it and we look back to it. It's just something that we're always kind of like looking forward to and, and looking back to. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, make love, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Listen to this. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. End quote. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter true delight, not fleeting delight, not empty delight, not in delight the way that kingdoms outside of the kingdom of God would offer you. Oh, this will be so pleasurable. You ever like binged Netflix for like three or four hours and then just felt kind of like, God, I'm exhausted. Like that was entertaining for a little while, but ugh. the promise of delight that actually doesn't doesn't deliver. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter true delight. But hear me, friends, this is crazy. It's more than an invitation. It's a command. It's a command. The passage that we just read from Exodus chapter 20, it's from that famous passage, right? Where God delivers the 10 commandments to his people through Moses. Let that settle for just a second. Remembering and keeping the Sabbath is a commandment from God. Uh, get this. Will you guys throw up that slide of the Ten Commandments? I hate, I'm going I'm to be a list guy today, and I hate being there. Here's ten things for this, and here's seven things for this, but bear with me. The glory of Jesus is coming, I promise. Okay? The Ten Commandments. This should kind of be review. You've, if, if, if nothing else, even if you've never spent any time in the church, you've seen or heard of the Ten Commandments, I'm sure. Okay? The Ten Commandments, I wanna, I wanna work through these really, really quickly, okay? Do not have any other gods besides me. That one's really self-explanatory. Do not make idols. This is when you, um, you ascribe ultimate worth to, to created things, okay? I've had friends that like their car is their idol, like those kinds of things, right? Their sports team is their idol. <clears throat> um, the third one here, do not misuse the name of the Lord. Uh, some, maybe you've heard, do not use the Lord's name in vain, uh, really quickly, it bears talking about this for just a second. It's not talking about like attaching God's name to like a swear word here. Um, although that's, I don't recommend doing that. That's not what it's talking about. This idea of misusing the name of the Lord or taking the Lord's name in vain. It's when we associate God with anything that would like denigrate his character or his reputation. So, so here's a good example. This is something that I see often right now in our time. It would be like, well, God aligns with Republicans or, or God aligns with Democrats. As though like, listen, that's associating God with a worldly system of government. Like with a worldly philosophy of government. I don't know if you know this, but the kingdom of heaven is a monarchy with one king who sits on the throne who calls all the shots and uses that authority for good to bless his enemies. It's the most radical form of government you've ever heard of that I've ever heard of. That, that's what it means, to, to misuse the name of the Lord, right? 
to associate him with things that would denigrate his character or his reputation. And then finally, number four, we get to it. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. All right, and then uh, commandments five through 10, honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet, okay? Here's what I want you to notice. And I'm gonna share this with you as someone who was radically convicted by the spirit of God when God smashed me with this, in love. <laughs> he smashed me in love. Uh, I want you to notice something. Keeping the Sabbath is number four on the list. It comes before murder, before adultery, before stealing, and before lying. I don't know if you know this, but order in the Bible is really important and it's really significant. So friends, according to God, keeping the Sabbath is a very serious matter. Check out what God says 11 chapters later in Exodus 31. Listen to this. This is heavy. Brace yourself. Verse 15. Work may be done for six days, but on the Sabbath day, there must be a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord, set apart to the Lord. Anyone who does not, or anybody who does work on the Sabbath day, listen to this, must be put to death. Holy smokes. Verse 16, the Israelites, the people of God, must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it. Everybody say celebrating it. Celebrating. Beautiful. God, you guys are on it today. Celebrating it throughout their generations as a permanent covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Why would God be so intense about you and I keeping the Sabbath. Can we all agree that's kind of intense? Okay, cool. I'm not the only one that reads that stuff and goes, oh my goodness. Why would God be so intense about you and I keeping the Sabbath? Here's why. Because he loves his children. He loves his children. Not keeping the Sabbath is really dangerous for us. It's really dangerous for us. Not keeping the Sabbath is as if not more spiritually dangerous than murder adultery, stealing, and lying. And you might be sitting there going like, that's ridiculous, Tom. I don't buy it. I don't agree. Think about it. Think about it from God's perspective. Friends, I want you to consider something. I want you to consider why God gave his people the Ten Commandments. Because the answer to that question reveals a lot. Why did God give his people the Ten Commandments? You see, the Ten Commandments could easily be renamed as the Ten Rules for Human Flourishing. If you want to flourish as a human being, throw that, let me throw that uh, slide back up there for me, David. If you want to flourish as a human being. For a human being to flourish, it must be, there are two things must be present. They must be in right relationship with God, the creator, right? For them to flourish, they must be in right relationship with God. That's commandments one through four. And for a human being to flourish, to thrive, to be, to like live out all of their potential, not only do they, do they need to be in right relationship with God, but they need to be in right relationship with each other. That's commandments five through 10. 
And friends, hear me. This is important, okay? Your relationship with God affects your relationship with others and your relationship with others affects your relationship with God. Let me give you some examples. Um, Just even pastorally, man, I've seen this one dozens and dozens and dozens of times. It's heartbreaking. It's real. It's brokenness. People who very real, like in a very real way, they struggle to relate to God as their heavenly father who loves them, is always looking out for them as their provider, their heavenly father in the best sense of the word. They They struggle to relate to God as heavenly father. Why? Because of their poor relationship with their earthly father. Our relationship with God, it affects our relationship with others and our relationship with others affects our relationship with God. Another example for you. Um, I've counseled this one pastorally so many times. People who were like discipled in a, in, a, in, a, in a really religious environment. Religion is like do these things to get God's approval. That's not Christianity. Christianity is God did these things to gift you that perfect record, the gift that you're fully approved of because of what God has done, not what you do, right? But people who, who, who are like discipled or raised or, or influenced heavily in, in overly religious environments where God's grace and love is not his chief characteristic, where you have to earn his approval, you have to earn his favor, you have to earn his love. Guess how that affects a person's relationship with other people? Like, oh my goodness, they have to hide all the time. They can't walk in the light. They, they, they can't ever be known for who they truly are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, like actually known. Because if they were, if, if their brokenness and their sin, which all of us have, newsflash, right? If their brokenness and their sin were exposed, they'd be rejected. I want you to see how you relate to people affects how you relate to God and vice versa. And let's just be totally transparent. There's one in our community that we're seeing kind of bubble up over time that's just heartbreaking, but it's real. I'm just gonna be real about it. People who struggle to relate to Herrick and I as pastors because they had a really poor experience with a church leader in the past. I want you to see how these two things, they, they're connected God is so intense, friends, about his children keeping the Sabbath because it's incredibly dangerous for them not to. Why? Because the condition of your spiritual battery, like your cell phone, it affects how you relate both to God and to other people. In other words, if you don't recharge on the regular by enjoying all of the goodness of who God is and what he's done, your battery's gonna die. And if your battery dies, the purpose that you were created for to love God and love others is sabotaged. Do you get it? Are you tracking with me? So pause for a minute. I want you to consider something, okay? I I wanna ask you to consider the goodness of God in this for just a moment. He's intense about you and I experiencing delight. (laughs) Verse 16 says, we read it. He's intense about us celebrating the Sabbath. God commands his people to experience delight through celebrating the Sabbath. That's who he is. 
Like I think so oftentimes we have these, these convoluted views of who God is and what he's like. But he's intense, he's passionate. Guys, he's more passionate about your joy than you are. All right, here's what I wanna do. This is where I'm gonna get really practical, like mid-90s preach. Uh, I'm gonna give you some really practical recommendations for practicing the Sabbath, okay? These are not an exhaustive list. Um, I'm not the world's leading expert on this. I've failed enough to learn though. And so I'm gonna give you some things that have been helpful to me, all right? Um, And then if you want, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw them up here one at a time. Okay, the first one is this if you actually want to start practicing Sabbath, if you actually want to take God up on his command to remember and keep the Sabbath, here's some helpful things. The first one is this. Pick a 24-hour period of time that works for you in your household. Pick a 24-hour period of time that works for you in your household, okay? What the ancient Hebrews would do is they would start on Friday evening and they would go all the way to Saturday evening, right? Saturday was Shabbat, Sabbath, That day, the day of the week was literally designated until sundown was designated for the Sabbath. All right, pick a 24 hour period of time that works for you in your household. For most of you, I highly recommend starting on Saturday evening and finishing Sunday evening. But pick whatever works for you, okay? There's been seasons in my life where we've done Saturday night to Sunday night. There's been seasons in our life where we've done Thursday night to Friday night. There's been seasons where we've done Friday night to Saturday night. Do what works best for you and your household. You with me in this? Pick a day, pick an hour, 24-hour period of time. I highly recommend doing the whole sundown to sundown, evening to evening thing, and not like wake up in the morning until the next morning thing. The, the Hebrews knew what they were doing with this, okay? Um, the second thing, put it on your calendar and set an alarm. Put it on your calendar and set an alarm. Like actually block out the time. Actually make it holy. Actually set it apart, Okay, because listen, if you don't, you've experienced this. If you don't, life and stuff will crowd it out real quick. All sorts of stuff. All right, that's the second thing. Put it on your calendar, set an alarm. The third thing, start and end. So both beginning and ending. Start and end with a meal and a prayer. There's, There's something really powerful, friends, about inaugurating the time. Anybody play sports growing up? Raise your hand, let me see. So you'll identify with this. Okay, I played sports all growing up. I played sports in high school. And before every high school game, do you know what they would do? They would line us up and they would, they would do the whole national anthem thing. You from, they still do this, like pro sports do it all the time, right? Line you up, national anthem. And there was something about that time. I would just get so pumped. I'd be like so excited and ready to go, man. Like, like, you get pumped up because the, the, the game that you'd been preparing for, the game that you'd practiced for, the game, the game that you'd been waiting for was about to start, man. It was exciting. Inaugurate your Sabbath with a meal and a prayer. Whether you prepare that meal at home or whether you go out to eat, inaugurate the Sabbath with a prayer and a meal. If you have kids in your household, please include them in this. Such a cool opportunity for them to like, why are we doing this? Explain to them, here's what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we're starting with a prayer in this meal. Explain what you're doing, right? Have them help with the meal, even include them in the prayers. What a cool, in the same way that God the Father models the Sabbath for us, he doesn't just command it. Model it for your kids, right? Simple prayers, man. God, just 
I'm asking you, praying that you would, you would help us experience refreshment in your love today. Thank you. And then at the end, when you're, you know, you're, you're wrapping things up, you're on your final meal, your final Sabbath meal, that dinner on whatever night, God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time to actually give ourselves over to you being the Lord of all things and refreshing our soul with your goodness and your grace and all the evidences of it we can see all around us. Simple, right? Start and end with a meal and prayer. Number four, slow down. Slow down, man. If you've ever traveled outside of America, one of the things that will stand out to you, I'm not, not even outside of America. If you ever travel outside of California, or if you ever travel outside of the coasts of America, <laughs> you will experience a reality that is, it's, it's, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. You're like, everybody moves so slow. What's wrong with them? Now, maybe what's wrong with us? Maybe our pace of life is really dangerous. Slow down, eat slow, taste your food. <laughs> like actually taste it and enjoy it as the gift that it is. Pray slow, speak slow, move slow, all the things, right? Remember, Sabbath is about what? It's about ceasing. It's about stopping. Hurrying and Sabbath do not mix well at all. The next thing, pursue beauty. This is my favorite one. Pursue beauty. This is the idea of, of filling your heart, your soul, your body, and your mind with things that are beautiful to you. And not just things that are beautiful to you, but a good litmus test is, are they beautiful to God as well? Because <laughs> you might be like totally in a bad space and you're like, that's beautiful. And it's like really bad. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about, okay? Fill your, your soul, your body, your mind, your heart with things that are beautiful, right? Nature and music and literature and art and laughter and hiking and napping and intimacy, coffee, wine, steaks, sunsets, you name it. I'm looking at some of you fishermen. You know what I'm talking about. Fill your whole personhood with things that are beautiful to you. Uh, a mentor of mine calls this pleasure stacking. I love that. He's like, me and my family, we pleasure stack on the Sabbath. That's what we do. I love it. <clears throat> Pursue beautiful things that are life-giving to your soul. Hear me. There is nothing, absolutely nothing more beautiful than the love of Jesus. I like a good hike. I like a good steak. I like a red wine. There's nothing more beautiful than the love of Jesus for you and for the people around you. Okay, if you want to pursue beauty on your Sabbath, can I make you like a simple but intense recommendation? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. I don't know if you know this, there's literally, there's nothing more beautiful than Jesus. Some of, my, some of the most profound encounters with God I've ever had have been like cup of coffee, thinking about the reality of the cross. Thinking about the reality that, in the, that he even came to earth in the first place for me thinking about the reality that like, even when I choose to rebel against him, even when I cognitively go, I know that's the way of Jesus, but like, I want to do this. He's still so faithful to me. And he knew I would do all of that. And yet he put on flesh and came to live the perfect life in my place, to die the death that I deserve in my place. He knew I would be that rebellious and he still chose to do it for me anyway. There's no other love like the love of Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful than him. You want to have an amazing, spectacular Sabbath? Sit down and just 
contemplate on who he is and on what he's done. Try not to cry. If you actually give yourself over to it, because there's nothing more glorious, there's nothing more beautiful, okay? I uh, felt like this was a spirit-led moment in my, prepa- my preparation in regards to this thing of, uh, of pursuing beauty. Quick note for husbands, if you're anything like me, this can be difficult at first, right? If you're having trouble identifying things that are beautiful to you, ask your wife for help, okay? She's gonna be, nine times out of 10, she might be better at it than you. Number six, uh, minimize or eliminate your media intake. This one's massive. I've literally had Sabbaths sabotage just because of this. Minimize or eliminate your media intake, okay? This includes all media, but social media and news media especially. There's a place for those things. I'm not getting up here to tell you that they're, that they're the worst things ever, although they might be. <laughs> they very well might be. Uh, that's not the point of the message. And guys, for the love of God, get away from your phone. There's, I don't know if there's anything more distracting in any of our lives than our cell phones. They can be a tremendous blessing, an incredible tool. Do not get me wrong. But they can be incredibly distracting. And if your focus is to set your mind on things above, to set your mind on the goodness of who God is and what he's done and all the amazing things he's provided for you to experience, distraction is the last thing you need, okay? Um, here's a, a rule that I use. You don't have to use it, but it's free. Here you go. Uh, if it involves a screen, use caution. Just use caution, because again, distractions, right? And here's, here's the thing, guys. For some of you, uh, like Herrick loves movies. Dude encounters God through movies and, and narrative stories all the time. He's, he infuses them into his preaches to bless us. Like, I'm not saying don't watch movies, okay? For some, watching a movie can be really, really great. But like I referenced earlier, binging on Netflix can actually rob you of Sabbath rest. It can be the escapism. It can be the checkout thing. It can be the, I just want to be numb and zombie out. That's not what Sabbath is. That's actually not rest. That's a deceitful lie from the enemy. It's, it's deceptive. That's not what rest is. Okay, so if it involves a screen, use caution, all right? The next thing, plan it. Plan it because it won't happen by accident. Actually being able to rest, it does require advanced planning, man. I know I'm getting super practical. Just bear with me. I'm almost done with the practical stuff, okay? Actually being able to rest requires advanced planning, okay? So do the things that need to be done to free up your Sabbath. Like do them ahead of time. Plan ahead, right? If, don't spend your Sabbath like deep cleaning your house or paying your bills. Do that stuff ahead of time, all right? Uh, another helpful tip, plan your meals. This is a big one. And we've had Sabbaths go south because like, what are we doing for dinner? Uh, did you plan? I didn't plan, did you plan? No. And then it just becomes this source of conflict and we're not ready. So go grocery shopping, make a reservation ahead of time, do whatever you gotta do, okay? Quick thing again for married couples uh, in regards to planning, hear me on this one. If you're married, handle any unresolved conflict with your spouse beforehand, anything. There's nothing like unresolved marital conflict to sabotage your Sabbath rest, okay? The next thing, there's a couple more here. Be open-handed because things happen, all right? That means unforeseen things that you don't like will interrupt your Sabbath, and if it has power, can kind of sabotage your Sabbath. Here's an example for me. I love sushi. I really enjoy, I shouldn't say I love it. I I really enjoy sushi, specifically raw salmon. Um, Can I get an amen? Thank you. Wow, you guys too. (laughs) I love raw salmon. 
So we started off our Sabbath uh, last night, dinner, opened a bottle of wine, the whole thing, gathered the family for prayer. And I decided, because I love raw salmon, I heard that you can, that Costco actually has good fish and that you can, you can eat it raw. So I decided to cook the, 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 I guess the inaugurating Sabbath meal for my family and I was gonna make poke bowls. And I did. And if I can leave you with a recommendation, <laughs> whatever you do, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. If you saw Mike praying for me over here before I was getting ready to preach, it's because I think I slept like two hours last night. Like I didn't, there, there wasn't any evacuating of stuff on either end, so we're good. But it was, it was that like bubble gut thing all night. Like, you know, it's bad when you're like, you're drifting off to sleep and your stomach wakes you up. Like it was that, okay? Unforeseen things happen. They come up, whether it's making sushi at home by mistake if you have young kids, this is especially true for you, okay? Like things are gonna come up, right? Unforeseen stuff, no matter how much you plan, you have diaper disasters and flat tires and someone in your house gets a cold or gets sick. All of these things can get in the way of the expectations that you'll place on your Sabbath. But listen, the goal, the goal with Sabbath is primarily to enjoy God and his goodness, okay? So when things happen, go with the flow. No matter what, there's brokenness all around you. I don't know if you know this, but when it, when it comes, when it infiltrates into specific ways that you don't see coming, the goal doesn't change. Enjoying God and his goodness. Do you realize like nothing can stop you from doing that? Do you know that? Unless you give it power to. Nothing can stop you from enjoying God and his goodness through his prescription of Sabbath. There's stories of Jews in concentration camps observing the Sabbath. That's a whole nother level of suffering. Nothing, friends, nothing can stop you from enjoying him, okay? The goal remains the same, enjoying God and his goodness. Uh, this next one's massive. Include God in Everything. Include God in absolutely everything. Another Pete Scazzaro quote for you. This is fire. Quote, we are not taking time off from God. We are drawing closer to him. Sabbath is an invitation to see the invisible in the visible. To recognize the hidden ways God's goodness is at work in our lives. We are acutely focused on those aspects of God's love that come to us through so many gifts from his hand. Scripture affirms that all creation declares his glory. On Sabbath, we intentionally look for his grandeur in everything from food, people, and art to babies, sports, hobbies, and music. Listen to this. We are intentional about looking for the evidence of God's love in all of the things he has given us to enjoy. This transcends his Bible. What a gift the scriptures are. This is God everywhere, everywhere, in all things. There's a song uh, by this guy, Pat Barrett. He says it this way, life is a gift and the giver is good. Chew on that one for a little while. Life is a gift and the giver is good. The gifts of life, friends, are a sign that point to their source. They're a sign that, that point to the gift giver. Who is that? 
That's God himself. This is this idea of the John 15 invitation, man. Remain in me. Abide in me. Stay with me. A life with God. Enjoying him as the giver of the gifts. Okay, and then finally, in the words of the epic Nike commercial from the 90s, just do it. Just do it, man. Just like with any other discipline, it takes time to develop a new habit. You're not gonna be great at it right away. You're gonna be reaching for your cell phone so quick. Three hours in, you're gonna be like, I need to be entertained. I need a dopamine hit now. Go take a hike. (laughs) Go fly a kite. That sounds really bad, sorry. (laughs) Did not mean that. Guys, there will be incredible Sabbath experiences early on and there will be epic failures, okay? Like trying to cook your family sushi at home. Like you'll have the ups and the downs. Don't stop. In the words of the scriptures, remember and keep the Sabbath. Remember and keep the Sabbath. Don't stop, okay? I'm gonna let that one go. I was gonna quote Aaliyah, the R&B theologian from the early 2000s. If at first you don't succeed, you can dust yourself off and try again. Thank you. All right, that was bad. That was dad joke status hard. Okay, I'm pretty much done, but I wanna ask you a question. Where's your spiritual battery at? Your cell phone has a readout right now. It's probably somewhere, I don't know, above 50%. Unless you got a really old phone with a dying battery. What's your spiritual battery at? Like in the same way you'd read it on your phone, what percentage would you give it? What about your physical battery? Where's that one at? Please engage with me right now, friends. Please take a pulse. Spiritually, physically, and emotionally, what's your battery status? Some of you are exhausted. Hear me. Maybe, maybe the reason we aren't all at 100% has something to do with a failure to remember and keep the Sabbath not plugging ourselves in to be recharged. You guys know it. When things get busy, the first thing to suffer is our rest, our true rest, not zombie escapism, true soul rest. When I talk about rest, I'm not talking about entertainment, guys. Our culture is so addicted to entertainment. We need to be entertained at all times. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about rest. It's not entertainment. It's not Netflix. It's not scrolling on your phone. Those two things are not rest for your soul. But do you know what it is? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. The words of Jesus, my favorite person ever. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, all of you whose battery is not at 100%. And I will give you what? Rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, if you want rest for your soul, hear me, you need Jesus. He's the only way. 
If you want rest for your soul, chances are you need a brand new charger like me. You need a new charger because you've been plugging into the wrong things. And you've been waking up each morning with a spiritual battery that is nearly dead. And you're grinding and you're doing your best, but you're exhausted. Young moms, my heart hurts for you. All the expectations on you, not just from kids that need you, but from culture. Oh, that's not the way of Jesus. All of you dads feeling that weight of, I have to provide for my family. You know who the real provider is? Yeah, man, God's our provider. Friends, do you see what the Sabbath is? Like, do you see what it is? One more scripture for you. The words of Jesus, Mark, Mark chapter two. Then he, Jesus, told them. He told who? Religious people. Really religious people were getting upset with Jesus. He told them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then, listen to this. The son of man, is, that's Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, Jesus said this to religious people, okay? Religious people who got really upset at Jesus' approach to Sabbath. But they completely missed the point of Sabbath. Friends, do you see what the Sabbath is? The Sabbath is a sign pointing to the Lord of the Sabbath. Who? Jesus. The Christ, the Savior, the Messiah. The Sabbath is a vehicle to get you to him. That's what it is. That's why he's so intense about it because he wants you. The Sabbath is a vehicle to get you to him, the king over all creation, man. The giver of grace and mercy and forgiveness that never runs out even when you blow it with Sabbath and you don't keep the other commands, right? The, the, to get you to the one who worked tirelessly and perfect, perfectly in your place, the substitute in your place, why? So that in his perfect and tireless work, you could actually rest and find rest for your soul. To get you to the one passionate about you and I entering in true delight. And he was passionate enough, dare I say so passionate, that he was willing to give his body and his blood. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. It all points to him. It's all about him. If Jesus isn't the center, not just of your entire life, if Jesus isn't the center of your Sabbath, in the words of Eugene Peterson, it's a bastard Sabbath. And your spiritual battery is depleting every day. So I just want to confess something to you really quickly. Um, before I do that, I want to call the band up. If you guys want to come up and how are we doing on time? We're doing okay. Um, ministry team, I'm going to have you pause for just a second. Just, just hold tight for a second. I'll call you up in a little bit because I want to do something unique this morning. Um, yeah. You guys doing okay? You with me? No? Okay, that's fine. Thanks. Thanks, EJ. Thanks, Lisa. Um, so I want to confess to you uh, it's really, 
It's one thing to get up here and to open the scriptures and say, hey, here's what the Sabbath is. Here's some things I've learned. But like, I just need to confess to you. I love you, Shepherd Dean. I want to confess to you, I have not done a great job with this. I've, I've tried. Um, I've, you know, at times there's been good rhythms and good, good things, but like I have not done a good job with this and I just need to confess that to you publicly. Um, at times I've remembered the Sabbath, but I haven't kept it holy always. Like I haven't, like it's been on my calendar, like I've remembered it, right? But I haven't been intentional in my planning and my execution. Like I didn't actually stop. Like I, I would make, I don't know, exceptions. I would allow circumstances to dictate the degree in which I would participate. But God's gracious and he's kind and he's always inviting us to follow the way of Jesus. And so I wanna invite you to join me, my family, my household in remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy, okay? Each week, I wanna invite you to join me in like actually treating it with the seriousness of a command from Almighty God. To treat it as though your life actually kind of depends on it. In the same way, a cell phone's life depends on being charged. And hear me, not in like a super religious way where we do all this stuff because God says to do it, but our heart's detached from it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about doing this in a religious way, but in a way that's like, I trust what God says is true. Faith, in a faith-filled way. Because if we, if we do this, friends, if we actually give ourselves over to discipleship to Jesus in this area of Sabbath rest, I believe it's gonna have a massive effect on our ability to actually be ready to love each other the ways that we've been loved by God and to love those outside of the body of Christ in radical ways, the same ways that Jesus loves us. I want to tell you a story real quick and I'll get out, I'll, I'll set things up. I spend my mornings, most of my mornings, I spend my mornings, I try to get up before my family um, I pull a shot of espresso and I go sit outside in my backyard because I need like, I don't need just like a Sabbath recharge. I need like a daily Jesus remind me who I am so I can face what's in front of me. Because if I try to do it with like a dead spiritual battery, I'm, I'm gonna worship things other than you. I'm gonna hurt the people around me and I don't wanna do that. So I'm in my backyard. I'm just kind of starting my with prayer. My kids know I'm out there every morning. It's like I, without fail, they're gonna come out there eventually when they wake up. And so Millie, my eldest daughter, she comes out and she's just like, hey dad, like, you know, I'm getting her for the day and it's a school day. And she's like talking to me. She's like, dad, like, she's like, I'm kind of worried. Like, <clears throat> what if today isn't a good day? And I'm like, it's early in the morning and you're already thinking like, what if today's not a good day? And so I hear her out and she's just kind of, I'm, I, want, I, want, I want her heart as her dad. I want her heart. So what's going on, baby? <clears throat> so she starts telling me, hey, wait, and some things that are on her mind. She's like, what if today's not a good day? And I felt like one of those really cool moments as a dad when the spirit just gives you the wisdom that you need to parent your kid. It's like, babe, let's just pause for a second. Everything that you said is valid. All your feelings are real. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry for this, but I wanna ask you to do something. I wanna ask you to pause for a second. And I want you to just kind of like look around. 
I'm like, do you feel the sun on your skin? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, how's that feel? It's like, it feels kind of nice. And I was like, do you see like, do you see how like the, like the sun when it goes through the leaves of the trees? Do you see like the shapes of the shadows that it makes? And do you see how like, like the sound that that, that creates and, and, and like with the breeze and stuff? She's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, do you see those birds right there that are flying over the head? She's like, yeah, they're flying in a V and all this stuff, right? babe, why don't you do something for me? Why don't you close your eyes? So she closes her eyes. I'm like, just listen. Just listen. What do you hear? She's like, I hear the the birds. I hear the sounds that the birds are making. Yeah, I hear that too. What do you think about that? She's like, it's really pretty. I'm like, what else do you hear? And she's like, "I I hear like the breeze going through the trees, like I said. And she's like, I'm like, what's that? What's that? do for you? And she's like, I don't know, it's really comforting and calming. I had her open her eyes. I was like, baby, you don't have to worry about if today's going to be a good day or not, because it already is. It's already an amazing day. Look at all that Jesus has blessed you with. Look at all that he's blessed you with and all of it for you to enjoy for you to slow down enough in the midst of the chaos. She had very real concerns for why the day wouldn't go well. I didn't dismiss those. Those are still there. But to slow down enough and see all that Jesus has blessed you with and that all of it's for you to enjoy and more importantly than any of those things, him, him, my girl, he he loves you. He's with you. Think about how much he's blessed you with himself. It's like, baby, because of Jesus, today's already a good day. Even in the presence of not good stuff. You know what she did? She smiled at me. She gave me a hug. She kissed me on the cheek and she almost like skipped back into the house. She went back into the house, thankful and excited for the day. Dare I say ready. I don't share that story with you to make me look good as a dad. I fail nine times out of 10, man. I share that with you because it's a small picture of what the Sabbath is. It's a small little picture of what the Sabbath actually is. Giving ourselves over to remembering all the examples and the evidences of God's goodness in our lives. It takes intentionality. And it doesn't mean that things are always perfect, but no matter what, his goodness remains matter what, his mercies are new every single morning. And in his love, he goes, stop, cease, <laughs> Sabbath, let your soul recharge in my love. If you don't, it's really dangerous for you. So here's what I want to do. to do a five-minute Sabbath with you right now. I want to invite you, we just close your eyes, not to be overly spiritual, but for the sake of not being distracted. Everybody, everywhere, just close your eyes. And here's what we're going to do for, I don't know, the next five minutes or so just want you to reflect 
on the goodness of God. I don't want you to brush your suffering under the rug. That's not what we're doing. We're not those kinds of people. Jesus identifies in our suffering. He doesn't, he's not afraid of it. He meets us in it. I'm not talking about brushing things under the rug. I'm talking about in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the worry, get in the backyard and look around. I want you, I want to invite you to just reflect on the goodness of God, who he is, his character, what he's done, all that he's provided. Mark and the band are gonna, they're gonna sing over us while you're reflecting. So we're gonna have just like, we're just reflecting right now. Mark's gonna minister to us in a song while we're reflecting and then I'm gonna come up and, and, and kind of facilitate the rest of the gathering, okay? How'd you do for five minutes? It's okay? Imagine an entire day full of all the things that point you to the goodness of God, filling your soul with beauty. <laughs> That's the command. <laughs> what a tyrant. What a mean God. No, nah, man. He's your father and he loves you. I want to invite you to stand. For the rest of our gathering, we got, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 minutes. The, uh, the band's going to lead us. Ministry team, if you could, kind of make your way into the back. Um, there's people that are available to pray for you for whatever your need is. Um, if there's, I don't know, some emotional stuff in you that needs some some replenishment, you need, you need like a recharge, <laughs> why don't you ex- go, uh, go receive prayer and let God minister to you. The band's going to minister to us now, and then Eric will get up and pastor us and close us, okay? Love you guys. Why do we celebrate the Sabbath? Why is the Sabbath a party, a celebration? So I was thinking about Tom's message and I was thinking about the story of Israel, which we, which we covered today. This came to mind. The reason we celebrate, the reason why the Sabbath is such good news has to do with this. This is out of Galatians. It says, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. You may be like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, when Jesus Christ died, and when he was hung on the tree for us, he became a curse. Why? Because we're lawbreakers. We're Sabbath breakers. So the one who perfectly obeyed the Sabbath, who perfectly embodied the, the spirit of the law, he himself died so that we who are lawbreakers could rise. And now we actually have every reason to dance and to party because now we have new life. We have eternal life. And now we are a new creation. So why do we celebrate the Sabbath? We want to remember that. It's so easy to forget. Even with new hearts, even with cleansed hearts, even with being new creations, it's so easy to forget and make it about us and what we need to do and justifying our existence and proving our worth. But we're actually free. We've been forgiven. We've been loved to the point of death so that we might celebrate and be good news people in this world. Tom had a lot of practical things, so I'm not even going to go over that. I just want to encourage you to maybe this week pick a 24-hour block and just like, all right, I'm going to delight hard. I'm going to delight as my life depended on it. You guys remember the first point of last week's message? Can anybody say Can everybody tell me? 
Delight. Thanks, Mike. Delight. So we just, we just, we're just given a tool today to actually delight in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you that we get to rest in your promises and we get to rest in your faithfulness. And I thank you that Jesus died, though he had never broken a single one of your commands. He never broke the Sabbath. He kept it perfectly so that we who are lawbreakers and Sabbath breakers could go free and live. So that we wouldn't have to be put to death, but we can actually rise to life and we can actually keep the Sabbath now with a full understanding of what the Sabbath is all about in the first place. We thank you for your son. God, would you help us to be people who delight in him this week? I pray that we'd be a church where we like we catch ourselves smiling as we just think about how much better we have it than we deserve and how loved we've been and how when it's all said and done, Jesus, who is ruling and reigning, will fully rule and reign over the whole earth. And the new creation, we've been made new creations, will be a part of that fully one day. And we just get to prepare for that day, live as though that day is already breaking into our present. And we get to work hard as God's partners in this world and then rest hard as his beloved sons and daughters. So we love you, Father, and we thank you. In your sons in me, pray. Amen. Amen. Hope you guys have a great week. We love you. Enjoy. Enjoy your Sunday.